Hey, good evening. Uh, welcome to Bright Lights, uh, your weekly podcast where we bring to you achievers in all fields of human endeavor. Uh, we tend to focus more on uh, business, families, and just the whole, and this is my favorite category, ideas. Uh, that means you can talk about just about anything uh, in any area. So that's my favorite category. Uh, we're coming to you live from our studio here in North Minneapolis. Another beautiful day, another blessed day for me in the hood. Uh, tonight's guest is Mark Globus. Uh, Mark is a business person, commercial development uh, here in Minneapolis. He's also a candidate for mayor. So we've been trying to bring on as many of the candidates uh, as we can. Uh, there's some uh, games that get played as far as where candidates show up, and I shouldn't even put it that way, but they're picky. So I'm trying to get as many uh, before you as I can. Uh, I try to bring to you uh, all kinds of ideas. Uh, as I've said before, I'm just a big believer in freedom of speech. I don't believe in censoring anybody, hardly, unless it's illegal speech. Uh, but otherwise, just have at it. Uh, I think the best thing for bad ideas is to get them out and let them uh, find the air a day and put some sunshine on them. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, sunshine out here kills certain viruses and hope it does the same thing for uh, bad ideas. So we'll have him on tonight. Uh, for those of you who wants to uh, support this program, you can go to my website at LaceyJohnson.com. Uh, and uh, uh, you can subscribe, you can donate, you can order uh, from the online store. So uh, check that out. Uh, we and it's mainly I. We constantly try to improve uh, every week. Uh, a lot of the stuff is new for me, but uh, I'm just adventurous anyway. Uh, each week I try to start off with a little, a uh, few news items on the national level, and you know. Uh, talking to someone today, I'm still old school. Uh, I still remember when China was red China. I still remember when we had to practice evacuation from elementary school. They would haul in uh, army convoys and us little kids have to jump up in the back of these big trucks. And just in case red China or uh, the Soviet or Russia or someone decided to launch a nuclear weapon. So I still remember that. And where I'm getting to is that uh, in the news recently, it was, uh, I think, in a new book by Woodward, I think, from the uh, uh, Washington Post. Uh, they say it was revealed that the chairman of the Joint Chief of Staff was talking to his counterpart in China, telling him he'll let them know if we're getting ready to strike them. And you have to understand, a person my age would have never, ever in my life believed something like this would happen. Uh, we've seen the border uh, crisis. Uh, of immigrants at the border. I've heard some discussion and I haven't read it in detail myself, so I hate to get into it too much because I like to do my homework and I haven't quite done it here yet, uh, that there's some discrimination. Uh, they're treating the Haitian uh, uh, refugees and immigrants a little different than anyone else. And anyone who knows that immigration issue, you, you understand why that's happening. Uh, and then just today, I think I was reading, they can't agree on any type of national police reform. That doesn't surprise me, uh, but I'll leave that at that right now. Uh, for now, uh, in local news, uh, the Walker Arts Center here uh, in this bastion of diversity and inclusion has elected what they call a woke coach. I think her name is Cena Hodges, a woke coach. Ooh, wow. 
like I say, I'm old school people. This this is still kind of crazy to me. But anyway, um, she's the first person of color that uh, been elected as the president of his board of trustees since, since uh, the Walker Art Center was founded in 1927. And if my math is correct, that's roughly 94 years ago. Uh, the big, well, we'll say that for last. And then, you know, the crime spree and the murdering still goes on. Um, been talking to some people. I got a lot of connection that knows the street about the Harvey Williams, the uh, charter school teacher who was basically sound like he was targeted, almost a professional hit. Uh, we don't know what's going on there. Uh, they recently arrested a suspect in the murder of the 12-year-old London Bean. I think it was over Humboldt. Uh, basically, uh, him and uh, the murder uh, suspect younger brother was in a fight. And, you know, what kind of society have we gotten to where uh, if your younger brother's in a fight, you pull out a gun and kill the person? It, this is just going on. It's just crazy. Um, there's a young lady killed in an alley a few weeks ago. Also, uh, they got a suspect for that. Uh, and just found out today she was in a rap video uh, of a young man. I know his dad. And, you know, I, look, I, I, I know something about all these people. And I tell people, and a lot of times people don't understand me and where I'm coming from. Uh, the things that a lot of people sit around and philosophize about in their living rooms and everything, and it's a, some type of bipartisan issue, uh, these are personal issues for me and their life and death. So I have a slightly little uh, different perspective on it. And then uh, there was uh, this four people that they found in some field in Wisconsin, where long story short there, uh, they've arrested a suspect and uh, they're killing also. And, and there was some type of previous relationship stuff going on there. Uh, so it's maybe not uh, the greatest news, but uh, um, this is where we are today, and I'll, I'll be talking to our guest about some of the things that we can do to prevent this. I know how we got here. And then one last thing, uh, changing the city charter for defunding the police. I guess the Minnesota Supreme Court agreed to let the nonsense language that's already out there stay on the ballot. And, you know, what people don't understand, a lot of times courts are just reluctant to get involved in the political process or getting the process of uh, other branches of the government. And it's not necessarily that means that one one side is right and one side is wrong. The courts, and, and you can understand it if you know the history of the Constitution, how it's all working in three equal branches of government. Uh, so we will be talking to our tonight's guest who's running for mayor of Minneapolis about some of these issues uh, right now. And uh, I'm going to want him on our podcast, Mr. Mark Globus. How are you doing, Mark? Great, Lacey. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you for being on. And uh, we chat, uh, standard practices, I chat with my guests uh, a little bit before we go on there. And Mark and I chatted a little bit. And I've done some research on his background. And I really like what I read mostly, Mark. Uh, there be, might be some area divergence here, but... Uh, some of your goals and your approaches and being results oriented, I really like it. So let's just dive right into it. Uh, before we do that, uh, I always like to get some background on the guests and let them give some background on where you were born and your education, family life, and 
all the great things that happened that uh, would have predicted that you would end up uh, developing property and running for mayor. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Mark. Just a few background uh, points. Uh, I was actually born in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, my father was a physician. He was doing his medical residency there. And I moved around a little bit as a kid. Uh, to see a few different cities, Boston, Washington, D.C., and Laguna Beach, California. Parents ended up getting divorced. My mother's family's from Minneapolis, so we moved back. And, uh, you know, I've been in Minneapolis since I've been a young, young kid, you know, kindergarten age. And uh, what a amazing place to grow up. I just, just love this city. And, uh, yeah, I've been... I, feel really fortunate for the opportunity to have growing up here. Yeah, I understand that. And then uh, I know you went to the University of Minnesota. Uh, you eventually went to law school uh, and you eventually started a uh, commercial property development company. Why don't you tell us about your company that you're currently running uh, right now, uh, Mark, and sure. perhaps uh, paint Frame it, after you tell us about it, frame it in the sense of the impact of the current business environment in Minneapolis that is having specifically on your company. Yeah, good, good question. Um, just a little bit more background. Uh, I went to William Mitchell College of Law after uh, law school. I worked as a corporate entertainment attorney for a few years, uh, and then I segued into commercial real estate uh, I really like bringing parties together, getting deals done, and moving projects forward. That's how we spend my strong suit is, is bringing various parties together and getting, getting a job completed. And uh, I've worked for a couple of the larger commercial real estate companies here in the Twin Cities. And then I decided to break off 20 years ago or so uh, to form Global One Commercial. We do uh, ground up development projects and we do commercial real estate brokerage, helping companies find office space or an industrial space. One area of concern that not a lot of people are talking about is downtown Minneapolis. And when is the workforce coming back and how is that going to have an effect on things? Uh, I just met with a client today. And he's actually selling his office building. They took a survey of all the employees and the employees decided, you know what? We don't want to come back to work. We like doing a, a virtual type of work environment. Uh, we're getting things done. He wasn't for that. But just taking that one situation is important to take a look at what's going on with office space and what's going to happen with downtown, I'm pretty concerned. We have about 30% of the workforce back in downtown. So I think having somebody in the mayor's office who really understands real estate and office space can be invaluable right now because it's gonna be a tough road back, I think. Uh, people have gotten used to, to working at home and, and mm -hmm. uh, do, doing Zoom and all these virtual ways of doing business. So I think it's going to have an effect on central business districts. And that's one of the most important parts of, of Minneapolis. 
Yeah, and I'm assuming your office is downtown and that you are like I am when I and I, I share your concern. I, in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if we never get back to ground zero on uh, even kill on businesses on, on down there. But you see the same uh, desolateness. I see yep. you see the same type of people hanging out. I mean, to be honest with you, Mark, uh, and you started expressing your love of the city. I can't believe what they've allowed to happen to the city. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe that a greater portion of our population almost seem it's not a big deal to them. Uh, right. And I think uh, what concerns me is that they're going to put the same type of people back in place because it's not a big deal to them. Uh, and it is sad what they've done here. So let's start talking about getting to some solution fairly soon yeah. here uh, because that's a, that's going to be a tough one. Uh, I want to start off with some quotes uh, that I read from you to try to dissect them here and get some input from you. Uh, the first one, is <laughs> some of them I agree with, some of them I don't. All right. uh, and so we're going to have some good conversations about that. Okay, so the first one, and this is in the category disagree, <laughs> but I want you, I want to give you a chance to explain yourself. Okay. Uh, you stated that the mayor had been dealt some really bad cards and, but, and I agree, whatever cards he was dealt, uh, he played them even worse. He played them bad. Whatever hand he was dealt, I agree he would play them bad. Yeah. But I'm trying. I'm interested in this. These bad cards that you think uh, our current mayor was dealt. Well, it's all perspective, Lacey. Okay. Uh, you look at the two big events that have really uh, affected uh, Minneapolis, and it was the murder of George Floyd and COVID, and it's two body blows to the to the city of Minneapolis, and uh, they both have had a drastic effect. Interestingly, I'm in the hotel business, and Minneapolis is actually the worst performing hotel market in the country. You know, everybody's coming back after COVID, but everything with the murder of George Floyd and the Derek Chauvin trial, it's dampered, it's created a damper on the city of Minneapolis for it to come back and uh, have a positive spin. And uh, I think there's a lot of things going on in the city right now, safety wise, that give big business people uh, pause and uh, convention business and things that, you know, um, help the entire city. Okay. And yeah, it is according to uh, your perspective. I mean, I personally think out of what I know and what I've read that Abraham Lincoln was probably the uh, greatest American president. And it can be argued that the Civil War was a bad book, uh, card that he was dealt. <laughs> yeah, it was a bad card. But the point I'm trying to make, uh, it tells how good or great you are yeah. at leadership uh, in those yeah. situations. And yeah. I'm not so sure he was dealt a bad set of cards in there. They gave him an opportunity to prove himself. That's and uh, the, the bad set of cards in the deck for him was burning down the police station and then let him yep. destroy the police station. He dealt himself that card. 
Yeah. And so I don't have any sympathy for that guy at all uh, as far as being bad. He just made some bad decisions. He wasn't good at what he did. That's just my uh, uh, personal uh, type opinion on that. And then even the COVID thing. And I know you have you if you've had an opportunity to talk to business people, uh, that was what appears to me a lot of overreaction and a lot of just disrespect mm-hmm. for businesses and yeah. what it takes to start a business and yeah. basically a disrespect for our system of capitalism, what America is about and personal property and, and, and things like that. That's the way I look at that. So whether it's uh, the George Floyd situation or the COVID situation, I just see that our mayor, yeah. he's just not up to task. And I think we kind of agree on that. He's just not, yeah. he's just not up to the task. Okay. You know what's interesting on the COVID situation, and I haven't seen a lot of people talk about it, but you know, there's been all these protocols that have been put in for the city of Minneapolis and the businesses, and the same protocols are not in place for the first ring suburbs, and there's not a wall up around right. the city of Minneapolis. So I don't believe, I'm not a doctor, but I think that you're still going to have the transmission of COVID and uh, because people are going to go into, say, Golden Valley or St. Louis Park, have dinner, come back to Minneapolis. But here there was much more stringent rules for all the restaurants and hotels and every business. And even after the governor uh, announced certain uh, procedures, Jacob Fry didn't listen. He disagreed with the governor and the CDC. He made up his own rules. And I don't think Jacob Fry is smarter than the CDC or the governor. He's not a doctor and he's not a scientist. So I I sat next to him in a debate about a week ago and uh, he told me he was proud of the way he had responded to, to COVID in the city of Minneapolis. And in my closing, I let him know that I don't understand how you could be proud because he's really hurt a lot of businesses that, that didn't need to be hurt. Yeah. And uh, I'm assuming you've had a chance to talk to some of the downtown business people. There's a lot more unfriendly type of things that was going on behind the scenes. Uh, we read in the papers about the tough time they were getting, having to get demolition licenses. I know even after they opened up, they were being harassed yeah. basically by the health department and inspectors and, mm-hmm. and all kinds of little petty things. So it was almost like, and if it's true, and I have no reason to doubt that it is not true, it was yeah. almost like a vendetta against the businesses. But once again, uh, Mark, we're dealing with uh, people who believe, who's not really a, a believer in the free enterprise system, uh, in a lot of them. Uh, mm-hmm. They have uh, these crazy theories about modern monetary theory and all those type of things that all you got to people don't have to work for that money, that all you got to do is print money and give it to everybody. That's the crowd we are dealing with currently down yeah. in City Hall. And I've been upfront about it public. I think it's an insane asylum down there and the inmates are in charge of it. So, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. so I sat said, said on this debate and uh, some of the. Um, people's opinions are 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 really off the charts. Yeah, and they're no. not pro business. And just to clear the clear the, the you know the floor here, 
I'm a DFLer. I've been a lifelong Democrat. I'm the moderate Democrat in the race. And um, we can talk more about the state of the Democratic Party and the mayor's race. But I just wanted to state, you know, I, I'm a moderate because I believe there's truth on both sides. Right. And when you do a business deal, both sides have to come together for the truth. When you're in a relationship, you can't just run to one side of the room or the other. You have to agree on some things and come to the center and agree. And um, I think that's a huge problem you can see in our political system. Well, yeah. And one thing I do like uh, about your background, what's the whole business background? Because I tell everybody what I love about business is that it's a very diverse group. We got all kinds of people that come together and mm-hmm. get things done. I mean, I mean, they on one end of the political spectrum or the other, doesn't matter your religion or your sexual preference, your race, uh, none of that really mattered. And uh, I, I'm hoping that you can leverage that experience to just get people to come together and focus on goals and plans and tactics mm-hmm. and things like that and not put the differences. So uh, I really appreciate uh, uh, that in your background. Now, uh, let's give you one more question quote here mark because you know once you get it out there you you can't take it back yeah, so let's, back. yeah 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 well, let's, okay. let's see about this uh so you said democrat principles and values drive your core beliefs every day mm-hmm. yeah that's that, that might get you in trouble here though i'm warning you so explain explain these uh democrat principles and values that uh guides you every day uh, Mark, you know, Lacey, it was more of a of a comment that I am a Democrat. I believe in you know the Democratic platform, not the far far liberal left, but I understand the arguments mm-hmm. and I understand what people are trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I supported uh, President Biden, and um, you know I'm a DFLer, and I have been for life, even though. I have friends, plenty of uh, people I know in the Republican Party, and I I talk to them and I respect them. I don't hate them or diss them. And I just, there's so much hate in the discourse today. Mm -hmm. You know it. And uh, we need people like you and me in the center trying to uh, bring people together and move the city forward. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And you, like I remember when, you could disagree with someone political stance and still be friends and still go yeah. out and, and, and socialize together and things like that. And people were not throwing water on people and assaulting people because of their political uh, belief. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I just remember just about every definition I read of bigotry has to do with other people's opinions and things like that. And I don't think most people really understand that. Uh, well, you know, we, I would like to, we're going to go out to have some coffee one day. Also, since you're here locally, which I try to do with my uh, local guests. But uh, one of the things we're going to talk about, I don't agree with hardly any of their principles and beliefs. And uh, like I said, uh, in my intro, I live in the hood and I see what those principles and beliefs 
have done to these communities as far yeah. as giving people stuff for free and feeling sorry for people and bailing people out of this and that. I, I just don't agree with it. And and you have to understand, and my audience know before, is that I wasn't raised to look for other people to do things for me and the government to help take care of my kids. And, and I wasn't raised to commit crimes and break the law. And so, and I, I tie that uh, with, as I've gotten older, I'm glad I wasn't raised that way mm -hmm. because I was always raised to think I got to take care of myself. I got to take care of my children. I was raised to marry the mother of my children. I, those are the type of things that I'm seeing right now. Oh, and by the way, I did not believe in abortion. I mean, mm -hmm. I was born and raised Christian. So we, we, we'll talk about that. And uh, I struggle with a lot of the Democrat principles and values. In fact, uh, I'm going to start off saying I think that's probably one of the worst things that happened to the black community in my lifetime, buying into the Democrat principles and, and core beliefs. So anyway, that's another story there. Uh, let's transition into something else I read that you talked about. Mm -hmm. You talk about addressing structural racism. What do you mean by uh, addressing structural racism, Mark? You know, it's interesting. Uh, yesterday I went out and I talked to a constituent in Minneapolis. I reached him on the phone and his father was a former Minneapolis police officer and he had done some law enforcement work. And uh, I went out and met with him and it was a really interesting conversation. And he talked about a lot of structural racism in the Minneapolis Police Department. Um, and I know we're going to get into the uh, you know, the Department of Public Safety, if that's the right way to go. So, and I think there's a lot of great police. There's a lot of great cops in the department. Chief Arredondo, I support him 100%. But this guy had an interesting take, and he, he said that uh, the Minneapolis, they had set up a profile for interviewing purposes and what a good officer looked like versus a bad officer. And he, he talked about how his dad was one of the models for um, a standard Minneapolis police officer. And um, there were some good things in there, but there were a lot of bad things. And we talked a little bit about it. And, uh, you know, compassion and caring for the community is not something that's currently stressed when we're interviewing people for the Minneapolis Police Department. So, you know, some people say it's gonna be impossible to change the Minneapolis Police Department. When I hear somebody talk about, they're looking for a certain type of person in the Minneapolis Police Department, let's change that profile of what they're looking for. Let's change that personality inventory. Let's get people who love people people like you and me, we like people, we love the community. I think there needs to be people, a little bit more people who want to socialize and get to know the community. I think that would help the Minneapolis Police Department. So I think that there are parts of the police department that, that suffer from that structural racism uh, from the past and the types of people that they've hired. Even though I do you know, support the police department wholeheartedly. And uh, the key is accountability. And I know we're going to get into the police mm -hmm. department. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark, I normally don't get into this much details and dissecting that is 
issue with many people, but since you are a business person, and since I'm assuming that you're data driven, because you wouldn't still be in business if you were not, and I'm assuming that uh, you have some employees in your company that has a will someday misbehave, and I'm going to assume that uh, not everybody's fit the uh, kumbaya, I love everybody kind of philosophy on your staff. So let's just dive into a couple of things right quick, and we'll go back to when well, I'll save your last quote for last because I think that's good. But what do you see? What are we trying to solve, I guess, uh, Mark? And that's mm-hmm. I want someone to uh, define for me in clear, concise term okay. what's the issue and what are we trying to solve? Well, the issue in Minneapolis is this. We've seen what, first of all, let me say, Jacob Fry is a good guy. I was a supporter of his four years ago at the DFL City Convention. I got behind him. I I wanted him to get the endorsement. I had been a full contributor to him a number of years, uh, you know, that he's been in office. But when the city, after George Floyd was murdered and the uprisings, the things were not handled well. And it was at that point in time that I decided to jump in the race. So, you know, Jacob's a decent guy, but here's the issue. We see where the city is today after four years with Jacob Fry. I see no big policies that's going to help the city pivot to where it needs to go next. No new big, bold ideas. I have a big, bold idea I'm going to talk about later. But so we're very close to re-electing the captain of the ship that's run the ship aground. If you polled a thousand people right now, Lacey, I think very few would tell you that Minneapolis is on the right path. I think very few would tell you that. But we are very, very close to electing the same chief executive who's been at the top. For the last four years, it hasn't been the city council running the city. Sure, they have a lot of power, but one person speaks for the city, and that's the mayor, and he needs to have accountability. And I'm just really concerned. We've seen what four years and bad decisions have brought us. We need to pivot. We need a change. He, he doesn't have a good relationship with the city council. He doesn't have a good relationship with the rank-and-file cop. He doesn't have a good relationship with different city departments. I offer a fresh start and a new perspective, and I bring a business-minded perspective to the job of mayor. Less politics, more results. I want to focus in on the the bottom line and, and help us pivot on the public safety issue first, which is job one. Okay. So... Yeah, let's let's stay on that for a while because I know once again, as a business person, successful business person, from what all I can see, uh, you deal with numbers and data, mm-hmm. and uh, you define issues using numbers and data. So sure. if we look at this whole police reform issue, give me some numbers and data that says we got a problem. That say we have a problem, mm-hmm. and then give me some numbers of data. And data that will say we no longer have a problem. And so that's, I'm struggling with, yeah. uh, 
I'm struggling with what's the goal of this? Is it yeah. no unarmed killings? Is it unarmed uh, killings of no black people? Is it mm-hmm. what what are we trying to achieve and what's right. the data that defines where we're at now versus where we're trying to go? And I'm trying to take it out of the emotional thing because yeah. like my and you you probably already know this in politics, my youngest son always reminded me uh that people care more about how you make them feel than what you do for them. And so in that background, help me explain what are we exactly trying to achieve and yeah. and with these change in questioning, with these residence requirements, what exactly is it we're trying to achieve and quantify it, it for me if you can. Okay. So, you know, I understand where everyone's coming from in the public safety issue. There's a big continuum on it. I think everybody in the city wants a safe city where people are respected and the police department works and there's accountability. I, but there's a question about how do we create a safe city and how do we get there? Mm-hmm. So I am not for the new Department of Public Safety. I'm not supporting the defund the police question as it's written. The main, the main reasons being is you know, our police department is very important to the city and its mission, and uh, we need to support that. And if we create a new department of public safety, one one interesting thing about this new department of public safety is this, Lacey, and people aren't talking about this, is that say there's going to be two or three food groups in there, right? You know, some people are saying there's going to be a police department. Some are saying there's not. But let's say there's a police department, but let's say there's a social work department, and let's say there's a psychologist department. We know the size of the pie. So even if even if that ballot measure passes and there's a new department of public safety, we know one thing. We know that that police department is going to be smaller than it is today because there's only so much pie. There's only so many there's only so much funding to fund that department of public safety. So I think it's a mistake to go that direction. I want to do a bottom to top reorganization of the police department. I think there's some great officers there. Um, But back to your question about the data, what's interesting about the data is we've already defunded the police, Lacey, not by policy, but organically. And what's happened is early retirement, PTSD, we have 25% less police on on the force today. We are more than 25% less, and we can see the statistics. The proof is in the pudding. Murder is up, crimes are up, shootings are up, uh, carjackings are up. All these statistics indicate that cutting back that 25% or more of the police department has not been effective. So people say, let's defund. We've already defunded. We can see what's happened with it. So that's not the right direction to go. Well, I think you hinted at it earlier. Uh, These are some very radical people with these radical ideas. Mm -hmm. And how can anyone talk about defunding the police is beyond me. And once again, uh, Mark, I've been rather upfront 
I'm not fooled by this language thing and this rewording thing. I know that their objective is still to defund the police and they can call it whatever they want. Uh, they can try to uh, reconfigure themselves to fool the public and the voters. Yeah. I know what the ultimate goal is. And the other part I do know, and once again, I remind me, like I said in the introduction, the people that's getting killed out there, I know them. These are not, this is not some type of philosophical bipartisan thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know any uh, uh, black people, especially, who's in favor of defunding the police. I've I, I just, I've met them. And just about everyone I've met uh, is uh, strongly against it. Right. And I find it rather ironic the people who say they're doing it to help us, which I think is another scam, okay. are not listening to us. So anyway, so we, we, let's talk a little. So I've read where you would, uh, after a few years, make uh, residency re requirements for the officers. I do think that uh, uh, living in the community, understanding the community does have value, bring great value to it. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, once again, I... I, I, I I think there's some other things that we can do. And I also think that, and this is just me, uh, Mark, anytime you got a loaded gun, yeah, even if you're by yourself, some events are going to happen bad. And mm -hmm. I'm not so sure we're taking all that in consideration uh, as we rush to judgment. Uh, you talked about the crime, and yes, we are tired of it. Uh, you mentioned, I wish I had as much confidence in the voters that they're going to uh, really uh, understand what's going on here and hold people accountable uh, mm -hmm. for what they've done to the city as you did. Uh, what do you think about the charter language and changing the charter? Uh, did you agree with the Supreme Court decision to let the language go as it is, which is kind of like, uh, to me, is an old bait and switch kind of a language that, you know, mm -hmm. we're going to have a public safety, we're going to have this, but I, I just really think the ultimate goal is to defund the police. Uh, did you agree with uh, the current uh, charter amendment language that they have in there and the, and the note that they attach to it? Right. Well, you stated it well, Lacey, when you said, you know, the courts try to stay out of politics as much as possible. That's an underlying assumption mm -hmm. in American democracy. But what I noticed, which was odd to me, is I thought the language got worse and worse every time the city council started playing with it. The initial language in that ballot question seemed pretty negative. Like, how could you vote for this? And then it had the note uh, that explained things very clearly about some of the outcomes that could happen. And that was helpful. And, um, you know, each each iteration, I noticed that the, the language was getting softer and softer. So I, uh, I think a lot of that is the fault of the mayor and the city council for not making the language more, you know, it has to have specificity so people understand what it is. I'm not comfortable, frankly, with the current language. I thought it was really interesting, the lawsuit that uh, these three individuals brought uh, at the last minute. And uh, I know two of the three and uh, is very, you know, interesting. And, uh, but it is gonna be on the ballot. And uh, there's a 
ton of disinformation out there, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I get you get it on your cell phone. You get a text message, and people sent me a text message saying, you know, a, a, a few days ago, hey, the new Department of Public Safety is going to have a police department, and I said, that's read. I texted them back, and I said, no, that is not correct. That is not what the language is. It may or may not have a police department, and they're spinning this um, pretty seriously. Yeah, someone sent me a recent poll. They say, except you know, I think polls often try to uh, shape public opinion and reflect it. uh, That showed a slight majority uh, favor that language, and it's almost incredible. I I mean, it's just to me, it's just it's like we're in a a uh, whole new dimension here, a whole new reality here. Uh, so the reform that they're talking about and that, that we want to make to the police department, mm-hmm. here's, the, here's the challenge, and I, I need your input that I'm having. Uh, and I'll start off with this, uh, Mark. I don't know of any issue involving human beings, between human beings, that is solved when one side says it's all your fault and if you just change this problem, it'll go away. Mm-hmm. And this is where I'm getting to. It seems like uh, a lot of the uh, opinion and philosophy is that it's all the police fault and if you guys just change it, it'll go away. And we've been saying this. I told someone uh, Rodney King happened over 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And we've been taking that same approach. It hasn't worked. It seems like we keep doubling down on it. And this is where yeah. I'm getting to, uh, uh, Mark. I'm one of those people who, well, first off, and I can honestly say, Whenever I see an issue out there that I care about, my first question is, what can I do about it? Yeah. What's my responsibility and accountability in this? And this is where I'm going. When I look at the whole issue of reform and criminal justice, Mm -hmm. it seems like a lot of people are being let off the hook. And I'm going to get even more specifically. I'm concerned, and it's, it's, it's out of love. I'm concerned that the black community isn't actually doing anything. And just keep doing what you're doing. And once again, what has, well, let me just say, one of the reasons I'm concerned about this whole current movement, because I really believe at the end of the day, was this five years, 10 years from now, uh, the net income or net uh, of black people, the net uh, wealth of black people will still be $14,000. I'm concerned that a vast majority of us will still be graduating from high school and can't read and can't write and can't do math Mm -hmm. uh, when we're not prepared for the job market. Mm -hmm. I'm concerned that our family still would not be as strong as they need to be. And just from a personal standpoint, we still don't have the face. And so what I'm saying is that if we have no responsibility to do anything, Mm -hmm. and if at the end of the day when all this social justice movement is done, Mm-hmm. We're still poor. We're still uneducated. A vast majority of us, our families are still torn apart. What have we achieved? And I tie that to the fact that we're not asked to do anything. So, how do you address that whole issue? If it makes sense to you, if not, I, I, I'll beat you up a little bit more with it. But how? That's my concern, and I say that from the standpoint of, look, I love my kids. I love my family. Yeah. But I'm going to hold them accountable and responsible for whatever happens to them. And right. I'm going to challenge them on changing some things. And I got two yeah. young black males that I, uh, I raised in Minneapolis. My thing to them, 
don't break the law. Mm -hmm. Don't resist arrest and make sure they see all uh, both of your hands at all times. It's right. not because I, I'm letting police off the hook or anything. It's because I really care and love the people I'm talking to. Sure. And so I don't see anybody actually asking. Uh, and, and, and this is good tricky because people are going to misread some things. I'll probably get some direct messages and they can post it <laughs> on this. But asking uh, everybody to be responsible and accountable for solving this. Yeah. How do we do that, uh, uh, Mark? You know, that's really one of the reasons I'm in this race, Lacey, is I uh, a few weeks ago I was talking to a Democrat and uh, – she was talking about the defund the police movement. And I said, I understand where you're coming from and I understand what you're trying to achieve, but I'm a DFL or I'm a Democrat. I'm a lifelong Democrat. I'm having some trouble getting to where you are philosophically on your side of the fence. And then, you know, and then I said, listen, there's 74 million people who voted for Donald Trump. They're on the far side of the fence. And if I'm having trouble getting right where you want me to, and I want to get there and I want to understand everything, if I having a little bit of trouble getting there, how about all the Republicans and uh, the 74 million people who supported Donald Trump? I think they're going to have a really tough time getting there. So I think we need to bring the conversation more to the middle. Um, her comment, interestingly, was, well, nothing's been accomplished when we try to go to the middle. And, you know, I disagree with that, because if you look at every other human activity and enterprise, people are they're working together and they're building a consensus and they're meeting in the middle. You know what relationships right. are like. You know yeah. how business deals are done. Politics is the only thing on the face of this earth where one side can go there, one side can go there and and say, hey, we won. We don't have to talk to the other guys. That is ridiculous. And that's where our discourse is today. The truth is in the middle, Lacey. You know that. Yeah. You know, I'm a Democrat, but, you know, you, gotta, you need to you need to respect the ideas of the other party too so we right. can do legislation so we can work together there are people of all parties who live in our city of minneapolis let's work together i'm worried about this community and i and i know you are too yes very much so uh it would be curious uh the lady you were talking to who said that we have not accomplished anything by working in the middle uh, however she put it paraphrase it it would be yeah. interesting to know what have been accomplished from working on the far edge or on, on the left. I, I don't know what these people are looking at uh, when they're talking about accomplishments and results. And I know you yeah. talk a lot about results. I'm a results guy. Yeah. Uh, I don't have to be right. I don't care. You know, just, let's just get some results. Yeah. And, and based on the results that I'm seeing, Minneapolis is just going downhill at an accelerated uh, rate. Yeah. And it's going to be more accelerated when we put Fry and uh, the current uh, oh boy, group down at the city council. And I'm trying to yeah. be nice here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, you, uh, you used the phrase, too, 
uh, and you know, I, I majored in English, man, and I was a tech writer and, and okay. done some writing and editing, and I pay attention to words, and I'm okay. normally not faked out by words. Uh, but you talked about, and this is one of them words that just every time I hear it, I kind of cringe. That's a phrase, I guess. Reimagining law enforcement. Mm -hmm. I don't have a slightest idea what that means. I, I think mm -hmm. that's just a, a old sleight of hand use of words. But evidently, uh, Mark, you do not. So help me with this. Help me understand this reimagining because it sounds like a lot of <laughs> gobbledygook to me. Uh, help me understand what they mean by reimagining law enforcement. Sure. You know, Lacey, I don't disagree with you. It's not the best uh, word. Um, what I want to do is I want to keep the Minneapolis Police Department. There's some really good officers on the force. I want to bring it back up to full force uh, again. What's interesting is Jacob Fry says, you know, I've always been supportive of the police. Well, in December of last year, he signed the city 2021 budget. It cut $8 million off the police department. They had to cancel some cadet training classes. So how is that always supporting the police department? Now that the wind is blowing back towards, listen, we need to protect our community. Now Jacob's saying, hey, I've always had the back of the law enforcement. And people really need to look at the facts. So reimagining law enforcement. I, again, I think it's let's let's change some hiring practices. One thing that I really like to do is I and this is this is something new. I'm an ideas guy. I want to create the country's best police training academy, the top training academy. The FBI has the Quantico Academy. I want to create an academy in Minneapolis that trains the best police in the country. I want to call it the pond or we'll name it something else. So during the day, you have standard police training from the best experts. But at night, what's unique is you've got a classroom experience where you have experts coming in talking about psychology, salesmanship, people, understanding the family, compassion. So we can come, we can create a an amazing training academy where not everybody's gonna pass. Only the best and the brightest are gonna be Minneapolis police. Everybody else, hey, they can go to YZ or Eden Prairie. We only want the best cops. We need to have the best paid police officers. Obviously they have the toughest job in the state, but we wanna train them the best, give them the best training possible, but also give them a whole new perspective about understanding people. The police are really ambassadors to our city. Every day they're interacting with people. And if you're not interacting with people, you're, you're giving up opportunities to fight crime because people aren't comfortable coming to you any longer and saying, listen, there's a problem two blocks for me. I notice an apartment house where it looks like there may be some drug deals, illicit activity happening. You need to you need to be friendly with the community. The old style, you know, New York City cop who's playing stickball with with kids and reimagining the police is also a new personality inventory. Getting 
a different type of person into the department. Still people who want to enforce the law, but who view the world a little bit differently and are a little bit more compassionate. And we need accountability. And those are the things we need. That survey you're talking about in the Star Tribune, essentially people don't want a smaller police department. They right. want a police department that's accountable. Right, right. So here's the thing. And, you know, like I say, once again, people misinterpret it. But even if we make all the reforms that everyone have out there and put them in place yep. and they work perfectly, mm -hmm. I'm thinking we're still going to have a cell phone video of someone, unarmed person being killed. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking that that unbound person here once in a while going to be a black person. And so does that mean we, and by the way, I do believe that we should constantly try to improve any situation, any organization, any process. That's just my background and, and yeah. what it, what, what it has taught me, you can always improve things. So let's, Absolutely. let's work very hard on improvement. Mm -hmm. But if the issue is some unarmed person, uh, being killed by the police under tough circumstances, uh, unjustified because it is in inhumane. Some of the stuff mm -hmm. we're still gonna get that. I, I yeah. can't see, I can't see in a world of human beings with all our faults and flaws and anxieties mm -hmm. and things like that mm -hmm. ever coming up with a scenario where that will not happen. And I know you shouldn't say that, and it's not popular, mm -hmm. but I'm not so sure we're thinking this thing all the way through here. So what do you say to that? Okay, even if we do everything that Mark want to do, mm -hmm. there's still going to be that cell phone video Yeah, that's going to be painful to watch and going to get yeah. people upset. And so if if that is that what we're trying to solve, what is, I'm still, what are we trying to achieve here? Uh, to eliminate those type of things, or uh, are we saying that every time to cut those situations to the bare bare minimum? And you're right, Lacey. Uh, there's always going to be uh, incidents with the police. There, it's a highly charged environment. They have mm -hmm. weapons, mm -hmm. uh, and in any type of career, any type of profession, there's good people there's bad people there's good people at the law firm there's bad people at the law at the law firm at the car mechanics so you know it has become really racially charged and very um uh sensitive uh every every incident and we don't want to have any incidents we want to try and have the best trained force out there we want to have a compassionate force i'd like to bring you know, some psychologists and social workers into the force to do work with people more. But, you know, your point is right. And it's a good, interesting point that we, we're we not going to be able to eliminate it in, in its entirety. So we're not going to have uh, these situations that break out uh, periodically. Right. Okay. And, and, you know, once again, it's a set of expectations and just being honest and really solving problems and getting yeah. results. And we have to be realistic in that. We got a few more minutes here and I just want to hit on a couple of things before we go. Yeah. And I think you've kind of 
uh, giving me some ideas of where you are, and I do know you're in a campaign, and I know how that goes also. By the way, you were very good at not answering some of my questions, and <laughs> <laughs> and being a politician, you being a politician, by the way. Yeah, no, I'm trying to be the non-politician. Right. Trying to answer things uh, is uh, forthright as I can. You do ask some tough questions. <laughs> I'm just trying to do my best with you. Okay, so <laughs> a couple, one last thing. Uh, I remember when I first moved to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And we did have moderate politicians in both parties. Mm -hmm. We did have two parties. There actually used to be some Republicans on the Minneapolis City Council. I can remember those days. Uh, My question for you, Mark, is that Mm -hmm. since we've been exclusively one-party rule, uh, Mm -hmm. Democrats, and they've been getting more radical and leftist as we go along here, and as my pastor uh, is quick to point out uh, the Democrats have been in control of the government. They've been in control of, control of the school system. They've been in control, control of the police department. Mm-hmm. And they've all still keep letting us down. My question for you is, uh, what has this one-party rule in Minneapolis, in yeah. the state of Minnesota, it seems to me that it's made this a worse state mm-hmm. and a worse city. Mm-hmm. And so, are you comfortable? Do we need to mix this up a little bit? Because you, you Democrats are, are really getting out there on a limb and blowing this thing, and and, and really running, especially Minneapolis, into the ground. So, mm-hmm. does do you see where one part of rule play a role in that? Where you just got this one part of rule and everything? There's those checks and balances or anything. Right. How do you see that whole issue? Yeah, it's an interesting issue. I don't disagree. I think you need a healthy two-party system to have balance. I frankly wish there was uh, three or four parties uh, in this Mm -hmm. country because we've seen both parties have their radical side. And I think most, I think America is a centrist nation. Uh, Most people are somewhere in the middle. They, They work hard. They want to play by the rules. They want a city that works for them. I'm concerned about the city pivoting to its its to a better course. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk to you about was a big project that I'd like to see in in South Central Minneapolis that I think would help uh, repivot Minneapolis and move it to the next phase. And people haven't been talking about what do we need to do to chart a new course. And one. I'm a developer. I like to think on a big, broad scale. One thing that I'd like to see in a part of the city, and I don't know if it's in South Central Minneapolis or it's, you know, it's along Lake Street, the city could really use an amazing Smithsonian level museum dedicated to the black experience and the American experience. Because the murder of George Floyd, we will never that will always be part of Minneapolis history and it's part of world history. And the city council and the mayor have no imagination. The world's focus has been on Minneapolis. We can do something very special historically to help make Minneapolis a leader in all things race related. I want to build a Smithsonian level museum and have 
you know, uh, uh, George Floyd uh, exhibit, Cup Foods, all the, the police car that was historically part of that incident. Um, and we can do all these things and bring in think tanks left and right and police academies and have, you know, an outdoor amphitheater. And we can bring in the Mayo Clinic to help solve problems uh, for people of color, obesity, heart disease, hypertension. We can become a leader on all things race related. We need to think big. This is a three to four billion dollar, not million, but billion. We need to come up with something big to chart a new course for Minneapolis. And that was what concerns me so much is I hear no big ideas from the mayor. I hear no big ideas from the city council. There's too many politicians and they're they're not business people. They're think big and think bold. We have an amazing city in Minneapolis. I love this city. It's been one of the best, most progressive cities in the world. And we can get back there, but we need to be a leader in race and we need to chart a new course. I think with this uh, Smithsonian level museum and think tanks and the mail, we could do something really special. Well, that's where non-politicians come into play because people who've been in politics all their lives and wanted to be part, they can get it. If they can get elected without doing it, that's what they, they are not going to do it. Uh, that's generally, that's the general rule. And, and uh, our mayor and our city council has decided that, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I got elected once on this and I'm going to get elected again. And that's where the voters come in. And I try to uh, really let voters know that uh, the way you hold politicians accountable is you vote. And if you love where we're headed, the direction we're in, where we're headed, I guess you vote for them. I do not. Uh, I like to uh, leave our audience uh, with a positive uh, message. And you as someone who uh, have has uh, aspirations to lead this city uh leave our audience and potential voters even out there uh with something a positive message that uh, will help turn this uh city and situation around uh, mark please sure you know lacy i really care about this community i grew up here i love this community we have a black eye what concerns me is we're on a current trajectory. If we reelect the current mayor and the current city council, what's going to change? The car's broken. So let's get new people in. Let's get some new ideas. Elect me as mayor. It'll be a fresh start, a reboot. We can do so many things. The well's polluted right now. We've seen what's happened in the leadership. And let's bring our city back. We have such an amazing city. I am so proud of our city. Uh, whenever I come home, I'm always so glad to be back in Minneapolis because it's such a fabulous place to live. We can't forget who we are. We've had a really tough year. Let's pivot and chart a new course. And we can do it. We can get back to where we were and we can go further. We have a great city. We have the smartest, hardest working people in this city. People know that Minneapolis is great and uh, I love it. And I just want to uh, 
get our community back on track. Okay, well, Mark, thanks for taking time and being a guest tonight. Uh, I uh, look forward to following your campaign. Uh, once again, I'm on record publicly, and I'm not ashamed to say it, that I'm looking for some new people in the office. I don't like the direction we're going in. Um, like you, I'm really concerned that we have uh, caused some damage that we will never recover from. And the beautiful, I mean, we just got a beautiful city that they've just destroyed. And uh, most of the, a lot of the voters that I talk to don't seem to want to hold the current administrator accountable for anything. Mm -hmm. And because uh, they make them feel good. So good luck. Uh, I'm going to get in touch with you. Uh, we'll have a cup of coffee. I, I, I talk about your your ideas for development in the museum and thinking big. I really like that. And uh, we'll follow up on that. And, you know, in or out of politics, uh, we can get results. And I'm interested in people that solving issues and problems, man. They, we, these things have gone on too long. So once again, I appreciate you being on. Look forward to meeting you for a cup of coffee or something, breakfast or something, and talking some more about how we can work together and make things better, Mark. So thank I you very agree. much. Good evening, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your evening. And thank goodbye so to much. my audience. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you for Thanks, having Mark. me on. Okay.